Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Morning with Love and Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you are doing well today. And I just praise God. We have another day to live for Him. We have another opportunity to share His gospel here on the Joy FM. Thank you, Joy FM, for this opportunity. Thank you, Weedman, for sponsoring us to make it all possible for us to be able to be on the airwaves with you on the Internet if you're live streaming or on the Joy FM app. However you're listening, thank you so much for listening. I just praise God for each and every opportunity he gives us to share his gospel. Today, we're going to continue our study of seeing the Messiah throughout all of Scripture. And we started last week in Genesis, and we talked about the creation, God creating mankind, and how we saw the Messiah there. We saw the Messiah by connecting it to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. We talked about Genesis 3, 15, where the concept of the Messiah comes into place. We really see it there as God shows us his plan of redemption, and we worked our way through. Uh, we talked about the covenant with Noah because we see the Messiah and all of the covenants of God and we worked our way through the Noah covenant and that's where we ended and so we're going to pick up today with Genesis chapter 12 and the Abrahamic covenant and start going through there and I just pray that this teaching will help you to see that it's so important for us to read and study the Old Testament. The Old Testament is still extremely relevant, very relevant for today. And we need to study the scripture to help us to even understand God's whole redemption plan even better by studying the Old Testament, by studying the New Testament, seeing how it all connects. God connects it all together to show us this great plan of redemption that he has for us. And we're going to jump into the Abrahamic covenant. But first, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father God, you are so incredibly amazing, awesome. There's just no words to properly describe you. Father, we thank you that you have given us your word and how you show us how your plan of redemption works and, and how you put it all together. And Lord, you've had this plan before the creation of the earth. And Lord, you're just so amazing. And we thank you for giving us your word. We thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit to teach us and to lead us and to guide us into all your truths. And Father, as we study your word and learn your word, Lord, I pray that we will do like we're told in James to do, to put your word to work in our lives, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So God, I pray for believers who are listening today. God, I pray for those who are doers of your word. God, continue to strengthen them and, and just uplift them and continue to pour out your mercy and grace on their lives, Lord, and just help them to share even more, Father God, with what you have done in their lives and how you have made a way for us to be saved and to be with you eternally. Father, those who are believers but who haven't been in your word much lately, Father, I pray that will change. And as, as we're coming to the end of this year and the start of a new year, that they'll just seize the opportunity to say, hey, you know what? 2024 is going to be a year I'm going to study the Word of God like I never have before because I know I need it. Just put that hunger in their hearts, God. And Father, for those listening who they don't know much about the Bible, they don't know much about you, God, I pray that this teaching will encourage them to get a Bible, download a Bible on their phone, or, and start reading and seeking you, God, and that they will see that you are real, you love them, and that they need that relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ, that they'll give their lives to you. So, Father, we thank you. God, we praise you. We love you, and it's in your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
If you missed last week's message, I would encourage you to go to the Love and Action podcast, where you, which you can find it pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. encourage you to go back and listen to that, then just continue with us throughout this series, because God's Word is just so powerful. And, and the connections that we are seeing God make between the Old Testament and the New Testament about the Messiah, His Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is just exciting. It's wonderful. And I just want you to, to see God's Word in action and see how His story of redemption for us all comes together. And let's get going. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And here, this is the covenant God makes with Abraham. And again, a covenant is a promise. And we understand that Our God is a God of promise, and he's making this covenant with Abraham. And let's read that, starting in Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Praise God. What an incredible promise that God makes right there to Abraham. And we see as we read through Scripture that this is part of redemptive history. And we see its fulfillment in the New Testament in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verse 20, when Jesus initiates the new covenant. So when God covenants with Abraham and he promises to make him a blessing to all nations, the Messiah is the one who will bless all the nations, including Gentiles, those who are not Jewish. And we read in Galatians chapter 3, verse 14, that the Abrahamic covenant is fulfilled in Jesus. So let's go to that, Galatians 3, verse 14, where Paul writes, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. God is showing us how his plan all comes together. So we see God telling Abraham, I'm going to bless you. And through you, the whole world is going to be blessed. Every person on the face of the earth. How's that going to happen with Abraham? Well, God's plan is an offspring is going to come through Eve. Remember, last week we talked about the offspring, and we followed the genealogy, and it goes to Abraham at this point. And you keep following that genealogy, and it goes to Jesus Christ. And we see that Jesus, through the lineage of Abraham, is that blessing to all the nations where salvation is made available to everyone, not just the Jewish people, as we focus a lot on the Jews in the Old Testament. But we see right here that the Messiah is for all people, everybody, including those of us who would be called Gentiles. And I've mentioned before that parts of the Bible that goes through the genealogies may not be the most interesting part. You know, you read in the King James Version, so-and-so beget so-and-so and so forth, and you go all the way through. But when you read it, the genealogies, like in Matthew uh, chapter 3, where Matthew shows the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and you read it and you get all the way down to verse 38, and you see that it goes all the way back to Adam. And it's just amazing how it all takes place. And it's all recorded. It's all written there for us in the Bible. And I'm sorry I said that was Matthew, but no, it's Luke chapter 3. And then you get down to verse 38, and you see the genealogy of Jesus goes all the way to Adam. 
So the story of Abraham, we see another concept of the Messiah here. Again, when I, last week I talked about when we talked about a concept, the Bible's not using that word Messiah right here, but the concept of the Messiah is here, just like back in Genesis as we talked about last week. And the story of Abraham is just so phenomenal as we see how God told him to take you and your family and move and keep going until I tell you to stop, and that's where I want you to be. And then he makes this incredible covenant with Abraham. He makes this incredible promise that he's going to bless the entire world, all people through him. And we read that story and we see, well, they don't have any children. They're too old to have children, but our God's a miracle working God. And after he promises something, he's going to do it. And so Abraham and his wife, Sarah had a child, Isaac, a miracle baby, because they were old and weren't supposed to have children at that time. But when God wants to do something, he will do it. And we see the beginning of this covenant that he made with Abraham through the birth of Isaac. Again, he's Abraham and Sarah's only son. And then God tests Abraham. He puts him through a really tough test in Genesis chapter 22 by telling him to take his only son, Isaac, to the land of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering. That's, wow, that's intense. That's a, a serious test of faith. But Abraham, he's the father of faith, and he, he shows his faith in God because he says God's going to provide. There wasn't a doubt in his mind that God, somehow, some way, he was going to provide and that his son was going to be fine because how could he be a blessing to all nations if his only son dies and there's, there's nobody else? It's Isaac. So he knows God is going to take care of things. So he obeys God, and he takes Isaac to this mountain, and he prepares to offer Isaac in a burnt sacrifice to the Lord. Genesis chapter 22, verse 8, this is where Abraham says, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Well, it's such a key piece of scripture right here. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And God does. God provides a substitute, a, a ram, to take Isaac's place. We see that in Genesis twenty-two eleven, where the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not reach out your hand against the boy and do not do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering in place of his son. That's a very powerful, very important piece of scripture there. We see Abraham trusting God, and he's willing to give up his one and only son. But God provides a substitute for him. And that's a foreshadow. If there's ever been a foreshadowing, that's a foreshadowing of the Lamb of God, the Messiah. There we see the Messiah, the concept of Messiah right there. Because we know as we read into the New Testament that God will provide a substitute for us. The perfect Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, his Son, to take away the sins of the world. And we read that in John 1 verse 29 where John the Baptist says that here's the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. So you see the Messiah in the covenant of Abraham and that perfect illustration right there of Abraham willing to give up his one and only son because he trusts God and he trusts that God will provide. It's interesting, before he takes Isaac up to the mountain for the sacrifice, he tells those who are with him 
he says, y'all wait here. Well, he doesn't use y'all. That, that would be a Southern uh, Abraham, right? <laughs> but he, he tells them to wait there. He says, we will return. That's faith. He knew somehow, some way, God would have the ability to raise Isaac back up from the dead, even though that hadn't taken place, that hadn't been seen before. But Or he knew God was just going to, he's going to provide somehow, some way. And, of course, God does by providing that ram for the sacrifice. And so we see that in the New Testament that God gave his one and only son for us as a substitute for our sins to pay the price for our penalty of our sins, our disobedience to him, to take the wrath of God upon him. Jesus is the perfect lamb who was substituted in our place on that cross for our sins. You know, we could just stop right there and say, I've I've seen enough. This right here is enough to tell me that God is real. I see him in the story of Abraham and how Jesus is the perfect lamb of God, our substitute. And I do want to just stop right here for a moment and ask you, have you ever given your life to Jesus? He died for you. He died for me. He died for the sins of this world. The word of God says, if we will believe, believe upon Jesus Christ, there's no other name by which we can be saved but through Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father. And God tells us to believe, trust in him, trust in Jesus as our Savior, as our Lord, and he will forgive us of all of our sins. He will cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness, and he will save our souls, redeem us, bring us back into the right relationship with the Father, and we can live with him forever. Just like he told the criminal on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. You can have that confidence of knowing that you're going to be with Jesus one day because we're all going to die. We're all going to die one day. That's a fact of life. The only question is, where will you go when you die? Well, there's only two destinations. One is hell, eternal destruction. Two, and the one that I pray you decide to go to, and that's with Jesus in paradise, eternity with God the Father, being back in that right relationship with him as he created us to be like we see with Adam and Eve. They were created to be with God and to commune with him, to fellowship with him. And we can have that same relationship forever and ever and ever if we place our trust, our faith in Jesus Christ. So I encourage you to do that today and just talk to him. Say, Lord Jesus, I, I need you. I realize you are the perfect lamb of God and you came to save me from my sins. And I ask to forgive me. I repent, I turn to you, I turn from my ways, I turn to you and ask you to forgive me, ask you to save me. Be my Lord, be my Savior. I give my life to you. Pray something like that. He meets you right where you're at and he will come in, he will forgive you and he will give you life and life eternal. And if you need to talk to somebody, I'm here. I'll be glad to talk with you. The easiest way to get up with me is through email actually. So that's ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com, ken.tuck tuck at loveinactionministries.com or you can call our office at 334-494-4995 if you get our voicemail please leave a message i will call you back and if you make that decision you want to know what some next steps are i can i can help you with that too or if you know a friend who's a who's a strong believer in the lord talk with him or her and let them know the decision that you made or that you want to make i just encourage you to make that decision today We're never promised tomorrow or even the rest of today. Make that decision today. I pray that you will. I promise you, you will not regret it. I know I have not, and I know I never will regret making that decision back in 1989. 
that's when I gave my life to the Lord. And one of these days, and that day is getting closer for me, I'm getting older. <laughs> one of these days, I'm going to see him face to face. Now, I'm so looking forward to that day. I'm excited about that day. And you can be too. I just encourage you to make that decision today. Then let someone know about that decision. So Abraham, phenomenal man of God who just had incredible faith in God our Father. And we see the Messiah within that covenant with Abraham. And then as we move through the Old Testament, we get into the book of Exodus, another fascinating book. And there we see God make a covenant with Moses and Israel. And while we see that the Abrahamic covenant is one-sided, it's a divine covenant that God puts stipulations on himself, not on Abraham, but on himself. He says, I will make you a blessing to all nations. Here, the covenant that God makes with Moses is what I referred to last week as a suzerainty treaty, and that's an ancient Near East covenant or treaty that you have two parties involved. One is greater than the other. The other covenants that were back then, the parity when they were people who were on equal levels, equal foundations, they would come together in covenant or make a treaty. But this suzerainty This is when God is making this covenant with Moses. And there are obligations on the human side that we see God says, all right, I'm making this covenant with you, but there's obligations that you, the Israelites, are going to have to keep. And so we see this in Exodus chapter 19. Uh, Let's just go ahead and read from there. Uh, Verse 5, we'll start there. Now then, this is God speaking to Moses. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and nations. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So God is making a covenant right there. And as we've talked about with covenants, if we obey God, there's blessings. If we disobey God, there's curses. So Israel has a choice. They can be obedient or they can disobey. And we see the nation of Israel comes from Abraham's descendants. So that, you know, the blessing, again, the blessing to the whole world is coming from Abraham. And we see Abraham's descendants become the nation of Israel. And we know they end up in Egypt and they're enslaved. And God raises up Moses to lead them. And God proceeds to give Moses the Ten Commandments and other rules to follow. And Moses confirmed the covenant with the people. And we read this in Exodus chapter 24. I'm going to read uh, verse 8 to you where, again, the, the people are affirming this covenant with God as, as Moses has read it to them, just as God instructed him to do. And in verse 8 we see, So Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you, in accordance with all these words. So right there is a very another very important moment in the history of God's re- redeeming mankind to himself. We see that this covenant is affirmed through blood sacrifice. And God gives instructions for the sacrificial system to make atonement for sins in Leviticus chapter 5. And we understand that it takes a blood sacrifice to atone for our sins. And as we read the priest, they administered the sacrifice and the shedding of the blood was to make atonement for sins. 
and that's vital for us to see throughout Scripture. And in Leviticus chapter 5, as the sacrificial system is put into place, it's a foreshadowing of the Messiah's shedding blood to atone for our sins. And we really need to see that. It takes a blood sacrifice to cover sins. And so that sacrificial system is introduced to the Israelites there, and, and the priests are to conduct the sacrifices. And they have a day of atonement where the sacrifices are made for the forgiveness of their sins. So a blood sacrifice is needed to cover sins. It's such a foreshadowing because that's what Jesus did for us. Jesus became the perfect sacrifice. The, the animal sacrifices, it ended up becoming just a ritual for people to do. And really, an animal's blood cannot properly atone for our sins. And it's not that God did something wrong or made a mistake. What God was doing there in Exodus and in Leviticus and through the Mosaic Covenant is God was showing us our sins and that we need a Savior we need someone to save us from our sins. And as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And so it's important to see that Jesus, he obeyed the law and he fulfilled every bit of it. Something that man could not do. None of us could do it then or do it now. But however, the sacrificial system of the Mosaic covenant, it did not take away sins. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 4 talks about that. The law doesn't save people. The law has no power to give people new life. But it's all a foreshadow of the Messiah who would bear our sins on the cross. And Messiah Jesus is our high priest, and he is the perfect sacrifice. And you can read about that in Hebrews chapter 11, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 28, that Jesus, he was the perfect sacrifice. We needed that sacrifice. We needed a substitute. And Jesus came, as we talked about in the Abrahamic covenant, to be that substitute lamb, the perfect lamb of God for our sins. But blood had to be shed from the perfect lamb for our sins, and that was Jesus. And his blood was shed for our sins. And he atoned that sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The blood that he shed atones for our sins. And therefore, we are forgiven by God if we just come to Jesus and ask him to forgive us, and he will. And we will become in right standing with our Heavenly Father, the creator of mankind. And so we see the Messiah and the concept of the Messiah all in the Mosaic Covenant. And Messiah Jesus, as we mentioned, is our high priest now. And the fulfillment of the new covenant, as I mentioned earlier, was in Luke chapter 22, verse 20, and that's when Jesus called the disciples, his disciples together, the 12, and they had the Passover meal together. And that's when he broke the bread and drank from the cup, instituting the Lord's Supper and the bread representing his body and the wine representing his blood for the new covenant that he would shed for the new covenant. And so we see that fulfilled in Luke chapter 22. We read in the New Testament that the Mosaic or the old covenant was replaced by the new covenant in Christ. And you see that again in Luke 22, but you can also see that in 1 Corinthians 11, 25, 2 Corinthians 3, 6, Hebrews 8, 8, Hebrews 8, 13, Hebrews 9, 15, and Hebrews 12, 24. As we see in the Mosaic covenant, the priests play in a, a very extremely important role. 
Again, they are a foreshadow of the coming Messiah. Aaron, he became the first high priest of the Israelites, and his sons were the priests, and you can read about that in Exodus chapters 28 and 29. And the high priest represented the people to God and was the mediator between people and God. And as we read in the New Testament, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, that the coming Messiah would be the one true mediator between God and man. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator also between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. So we see Jesus, he is the mediator between God and mankind. He is our high priest. And so you see how the high priest there in Leviticus, they are a foreshadow of Jesus Christ who becomes our high priest. And Jesus, the Messiah, he was a better high priest, a better Moses who received the law. And let's read in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, about Jesus being our high priest. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Jesus. He was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. But just so much as the builder of, a house, of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as, as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Jesus was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold firmly to our confidence and the boast of our hope. So we see Jesus is our high priest, and he's a better high priest. And I want to read something real quick as we end today. Uh, Paul read it. He wrote, Jesus belongs to a line of priests descended from Melchizedek, which is superior to the Levitical priests. This superiority manifests itself in a number of ways. Jesus is the perfect high priest because he is without sin and did not have to offer sacrifices to cleanse himself as the Old Testament priest did. Jesus did not simply offer an animal sacrifice. He offered himself as the perfect sacrifice. That sacrifice was superior to the Levitical sacrifice because it was given once and for all and did not need to be repeated. Finally, Jesus is superior to the Levitical priest because he has been raised to the right hand of God to mediate an eternal covenant superior to the one given at Sinai. So praise God. Jesus is our high priest. He's a better Moses. Jesus is the perfect lamb of God who was sacrificed for our sins. We see in the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt the importance of a blood sacrifice where, where we see the first Passover, and therefore we know that foreshadows Jesus as being the Passover lamb. But the importance of the blood sacrifice and that account of God delivering his people from Egypt is very important to see. Uh, that day God told Aaron, told Moses in Exodus chapter 12, that each man, each Israelite, must take a lamb without defect for his household, slaughter it, and put the blood on the sides and tops of the door frames of their houses. And that night God struck down every firstborn of people and animals of the Egyptians. But where he saw the blood, he passed over it, and no harm came to that household. Pharaoh then let the Israelites go, and the exodus of the Israelites took place. 
we read forward into the New Testament, and we see that Jesus is the perfect Passover lamb that would bring salvation to everyone. Our exodus out of sin is through Jesus Christ. If we have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are covered by his blood. His blood covers our sins, and therefore death, eternal destruction passes over us, and we are brought into the kingdom of God because of Jesus Christ. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ that the wrath of God will pass over us and we will be saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 talks about that. 1 Peter 1, verses 18 through 20 talks about that. Isaiah prophesied about the Messiah as the lamb led to slaughter in Isaiah 53, verse 7. So we must recognize that this link is so important of the substitutionary sacrifice of the Messiah with the Passover and the Old Testament sacrificial system. The Day of Atonement that we can read about in Leviticus chapter 16, 1 through 34, is no longer necessary. Jesus atoned for our sins once and for all, as we read in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Jesus has atoned for our sins once and for all. Have you received them today? Please do. I encourage you to. He'll forgive you. He'll save you. He'll give you eternal life. We're going to stop right there today, and I want to thank you again for joining me today. May God bless you throughout this week. Be in his word. Study his words. Go back to scriptures that we covered here today and study them. Study them for yourself. See the Messiah. He's everywhere in the, in the Bible. The Messiah is Jesus, the one and only Son of God, the one and only Savior of mankind. Give your life to him today, I pray. Well, God bless you all, and I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.